yeah, I'm ready. My name is Andrew. Uh, we've never actually met, but I am a fan of your cooking show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's, I appreciate that. I appreciate that so much. Hey, the Ragamuffin Kitchen, right? <laughs> the Ragamuffin Kitchen, man. <laughs> All right, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Welcome back to Small Brains Big Picks. My name is Andrew Alden. We are here uh, recording season 2.5, episode 2. You are? Yeah, first time in this new set. Uh, I'm Evan Sawyer, last name. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, happy to get into it. And uh, really excited we have a guest on the line right now. Um, Queens-born, San Francisco resident, uh, a chef, a lyricist, a Mets fan, a social media manager, Rihanna DM Slider concert enthusiast music critic always just positive vibes and like very genuine energy so uh, glad to have you on brandon brandon are you there Uh oh did we lose brandon who did you you just become (laughs) i think I, uh, my bad. I think I lost y'all for a second. Yeah, we Damn, lost you. Damn, you did. I gave a whole intro, too. I, I'm gonna have to I, I, I was hearing it, though. I heard it, though. I heard it. I got it, though. Like, Rihanna, Deanna, Slider, I was dying, Oh, word. Bro. That was, like, 90% of the way through it. Okay, cool. So we you, we yeah, did yeah, it. Yeah, we're, we're good. We're good. Yeah. That, that's what <laughs> editing's for. That's what editing's for. I'm not going to edit this out. <laughs> well, well we, as I ended that you missed, we're, we're happy to have you, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good, man. It's uh, another day in this quarantine, but, you know, we're trying to take it seriously and get ourselves out of this. No doubt. Um, So we're going to dive right into our topic. Um, Today we're talking about the topic of whether sports right now in this moment of racial reckoning, this movement, um, and all the other things going on in our country, whether sports are a distraction. Um, So to kind of jump us off, um, just so... As you know, um, Kyrie Irving kind of started this conversation as the NBA was talking about restarting with the bubble. And Steven Jackson, who famously close friend of of George Floyd, said playing basketball is going to do one thing, take all that attention off the task at hand right now and of what we're fighting for. Um, Some other people supported him and some other people were on the other side, one of them being Austin Rivers, who said, us coming back would put money in all of our pockets. Uh, with this money, you could help out even more people and continue to give, more importantly, your time and energy towards the Black Lives Matter movement, which I'm 100% on board with. He, he just went on and others went on to talk about the way that it could actually elevate the voices. So um, just want to kind of talk about wherever we can go with that. Like, what are people's opinions on? Are you in the Jackson camp? Are you in the Rivers camp or somewhere in between? Uh, I mean, I, I think I'm fully on the side with Rivers here. Um, I don't think sports is a distraction at all. And I think, if anything, sports is, is elevating the cause. If we're talking, like, strictly racial justice and whatnot, then uh, I'm, I'm all for having sports. Um, personally, I think we should just cancel most sports because of COVID, but that's a separate discussion. Um, mm-hmm. But I think as far as putting the movement on, I think we got to have sports. You know, I think the only reason this is a, a topic of discussion is because their sports were, were, were canceled at one point. But, I mean, if there wasn't a coronavirus and, and all this George Floyd um, 
you know, Black Lives Matter and and Breonna Taylor situations, right? Like, like those would have still occurred in a non-COVID world, mm-hmm. and and athletes would have gone to work and played with their heart on their sleeves. I I still think, right? Like, look at uh, look at look at how sports has elevated Eric Garner's voice, right? Athletes were wearing "I Can't Breathe" T-shirts on practice, um, you know, like like and and sports was part of what elevated this movement in the first place. Kaepernick, mm-hmm. right? Like. Like yep. it, it was on the field, and 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 the reason that it's so powerful is because sports is is an equalizer for for so many demographics in America, right? Like you tell me a more diverse place than a sports stadium when the team is playing well, right? Nice. You 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 somehow some way, right? Like like people come together watching their teams win. And and it brings out a different kind of unity amongst people, um, and 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 sometimes that's enough to to help some folks kind of see past certain certain social issues right now, um, and uh, and I think we we can't sacrifice that. I think I think that's such a powerful thing, and uh, I, I think we definitely need to keep having sports if 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 we're trying to elevate the cause. Having sports does that, and not having sports actively hurts the cause. I would even go as far as to say. Mm-hmm. Do you think, uh, like, athletes' individual response has been adequate, or do you think that as as a new generation of athletes are being raised and coming into professional leagues now, are going to have more of a have to have more of a presence on uh, social justice issues? Because there's been, you know, traditionally before Kaepernick you know, there's been a, a gap of many, many years between Jackie Robinson to Colin Kaepernick where there hasn't been as much push, as much icons of social justice in sports. Do you think that's going to become the new norm? Uh, yeah, I think it's kind of a new norm because it works. And, and that's kind of nice. a sadistic way of looking at it, right? Like, But like, look at the social profiles of, of the stars that are active, right? You know, like like a mediocre athlete could take a, a huge social justice stance and become the most like lucrative player out there. That's crazy in terms of yeah. of, of public image, right? I mean, right. for example, right? Like, and I mean no disrespect by this, but like Joe Kelly, right? How many people knew who Joe Kelly was before he he took a stand on this? Isn't even racial justice based. This is just cheating, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, but and it's it's an ethical issue, right? And 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 Joe Kelly went out there and, and acted out against it, and then he spoke on on his teammates' podcast and let his own opinions out there. I think, I think what's happening is is we're respecting certain athletes for 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 not being bought, mm-hmm. um, you know. And it, it's difficult because you know we we see the glamorous world of of players going out there and having fun. And, and doing whatever they want on the field and, and playing a game that we all play in our leisure time. So we don't look at it the way that these players look at it. But for all these players, it's a job, right? They're not just an athlete. They're a member of an organization. And so a lot of players have stayed quiet because they know that if, you know, like, like when they sign that contract to, to represent the team and be a part of that organization, their, their social media profiles are immediately going to start getting tracked. Well, so let me, let me, let me kind of take a, take this in the two directions that that can go is 
because I'm with you all the way, Brandon. And I can throw this to either of y'all. Like, I guess the pessimistic side of me goes now, like you said, players are well aware that having that social profile and that, that backing is like can elevate a mediocre player to a stardom in, in terms of social media and what all the things that come with that. Now, how do we how do we reconcile the fact that maybe that some of this isn't genuine, right? Like, what is you you know a lot of the stories about people who have like BS foundations versus guys who do stuff very much on the low but are doing amazing things for the community. I think there's always that give and take with the social media love of like guys who do stuff just to get the love versus people really making change in their communities. Well, Brandon, you're a, you're a Mets fan, right? So. And we're yeah. Red, and we're Red Sox fans. One of the people that has done the most work in communities, both in in New York and in Boston, is Mo Vaughn, and it's it's mm-hmm. not publicized very like very rarely. I mean, Mo Vaughn had a pretty good career. He won an MVP award. He made a lot of money, and but he has worked tirelessly in his post playing career to 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 do do well. He doesn't expect anything of it. Yeah, so, I think that's. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Finish, finish your thought. I mean, I, I think it's, it's, in, it's just an interesting dynamic, and I think part of this is the dynamic that maybe it doesn't, it isn't a matter of social media's response, or it's not a matter of the player's responsibility, but social media's responsibility and society's responsibility to be elevating the right voices, and like we need to do our homework rather than just shouting out anyone who posts a black box on Instagram, and instead like showing love to the people who deserve it, the Movans of the world who are doing the work behind the scenes. Um, yeah. Have you been happy with the, the, the Mets response to this? To, uh, to like Black Lives Matter and whatnot? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, as far as, 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 as like any team, I, I don't know if I can call it yet because you know, we're, we're still a couple months in, right? Like, like, what are we, like, are we going to see these teams actually build programs to uh, help develop more black major league players? That remains to be seen, right? Like all, all we have now is, is like social media statements. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, we've already seen that you can't, you can't read too much into those because it's all cat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, Although I will say I was very, very like I love the Red Sox statement. You know what I mean? It was, it was real honesty. It was real genuine. You know, they 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 came from a place where they knew, uh, they were starting from like a negative spot in mm-hmm. terms of of that specific conversation, and, and they they owned it right. Um, and then you know I guess regarding move on and whatnot, I think. Uh, I think it says a lot that that Movon like doesn't care about whether or not his his efforts are public because you know like like he's still going to do the same work anyway like that's him like that's how he operates in terms of this uh, this, this kind of outreach um, and and you know like like he probably doesn't even want other people to elevate his work either. I and uh, so I think I want to I want to take that that strand and you you showed a little love to the Red Sox that I think is deserved. I do want to take that that idea of how the MLB um, just addresses social issues in general, be it the movement for Black Lives or be it past, present, and future social issues. Um, 
But I do want to pause right here quickly, and we're going to hit you, Brandon, to just break up this conversation a little bit with a, uh, with a little uh, quick fire of a couple of questions. And to jump us Hell off, yeah. we're gonna, we, so we got five questions for you. Um, try to get to know you a little bit. Um, but to jump us off, we're going to do something that we do on this podcast a lot, which is re- retire players, put players kind of in our Hall of Fame, put them up in the virtual rafters. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I'll do one. Andrew's going to do one. And then that hopefully gives you a couple seconds to figure out who you're going to. It could be any athlete of any sort. Honestly, you can go outside of athletes as well if you'd like to. We do that sometimes. But someone who just like or, is in your personal Hall of Fame, or outside of humans, we've had, we, we have a cat retired. <laughs> we, we do, we did retire a cat, yes. <laughs> okay. So, so uh, mine, and I just you know this person hasn't gone up there yet, but is Ichiro Suzuki? Um, that just like the the way that he changed the game in terms of building the international profile of the game in in different ways, um, and just like was like played the game in a different way than anyone had done it. Um, that was my guy, and he was a, a big foundation of why, especially during the years the Red Sox weren't quite as good, I was, like, big-time Mariners fan. Him and Griffey made me Mariners yeah. fan for most of my childhood. I did so, my seventh grade book report on Ichiro Suzuki. Man, that's crazy. I definitely wrote a book report on Ichiro Suzuki. Being Evan's <laughs> older brother, I uh, Evan, I guess my dad would be the best person to retell this story, but... Uh, Apparently, Evan was in first or second grade and doing like book reports and making up these like little short stories and simple sentences. And the teacher went, Evan's so imaginative. He comes up with these amazing names like Ichiro and Pedro who go on these adventures. He's like, he's like he even had a player named Kasuhiro Sasaki. Like, where does he think of this stuff? It's amazing. And little does she know, I'm like just listing the relievers on the Mariners. Like, <laughs> we are the same person because whenever I have to give people names in in stories I wrote for class, I use baseball players. Right. <laughs> I love that. I love that. All right, Andrew, who are you going to retire? I'm going to go uh, old school. So we were uh, we made when we were in the deepest part of quarantine that we will probably return to again, unfortunately, at some point. Mm-hmm. But we were playing uh, uh, a lot of our favorite card game. Stratomatic, and we bought uh, players from past God eras, including like a whole tribute to the Negro League uh, uh, league. So I have retired Josh Gibson, who is underrepresented in baseball history, but maybe one of the greatest, most prolific home run hitters of all time. Cool, mm-hmm. glad to have Josh up in the rafters. Yep. Um, so yeah. Brand- Brandon, it's your your turn to retire someone. Yeah, um, I mean we're we're talking about the movement, right? We're talking about about athletes who who deserve more attention and or not more attention but more credit, right? Uh, and 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 I don't know if anyone else has done this on this show right now, considering that uh you know y'all are talking about social justice and, and athletes. But uh, I'm gonna go ahead and, and retire Bruce Maxwell. Um, he was the first baseball player to to do the kneeling, right on and, the A's, right? Oh wow! Yeah, on the A's. And, uh, and, and, you know, everyone kind of looks at him and, and I think his reputation supersedes him as like a head case. But I mean, I, you know, you got to think about what, what it meant for him to do that. Right. In, in a sport like baseball, where America's pastime, like, like to be the first one and, and, and you're a backup catcher or something like that on the, on the A's, like, like it, you're not like, it's a big risk. 
right? Like mm-hmm. the same way Kaepernick did it, right? He was a bench guy when he started doing it. So people thought he was doing this for attention. And, and you know, when you feel a certain way, it affects your mental health. And I think he really kind of psyched himself out and that kind of got, you know, that, that affected his major league career. And I was reading this profile on him. Uh, and, you know, I, I kind of got what he was going through. Like, he must have felt crazy at a lot of times and, and, you know, he's, he's doing really well for himself right now. I think mean, he's playing in Mexico and, uh, you know, living a, living a good life. And, and I'm really happy for him. You know, like he, he was very early, 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 uh, voice in this movement in baseball where it definitely needs to be, uh, more amplified. Um, and, and, you know, he was even asking like, where, where, where was everybody else that's doing it now when I was doing it then? Like, why, why didn't they support me now? And I, I appreciate that kind of, futurism and so you know i'm gonna retire bruce maxwell here man most definitely the first bruce maxwell mentioned on our podcast i, I think without a doubt without a doubt bruce maxwell <laughs> underrepresented so shout out that's that's i love the when we go deeper than than the griffies and the and the mike trouts of the world like i like i like that you dug a little bit for that one and had a very good reason for it so All second right. question yeah, yeah. then you got three five right yep so second question um Brandon, I also know you as someone who has a unique uh, music taste and is always putting me on to new artists. So I want you to put the whole our whole audience on to someone that you've been listening to uh, that maybe is not as known mainstream of any genre. Oh man, let's see. That is a lot. I hate of, to limit you to one, right? I gotta go back on my on my on my on my Apple Music and see who, who I've been listening to lately. Um, let's see, man, if, if I'm going to put somebody on that, that I think the world needs to hear, um, I want it to be, I want it to be a dude from Queens that I highly respect, um, Bengali dude, uh, his name is Anik Khan. I know, and, man, he's dope, he's dope. Yeah, I probably put you on to Anik, like, a couple years ago, oh, man, and dude is insanely fire, man, like, his music has got flavor it's got like so much worldliness to it um and, and like it represents the way i like to approach other cultures too i think you know him and i be dudes from queens see a lot of different culture and and you know there, there's a way of going about it respectfully and letting it consume you and you know using that to show other people without taking like insane credit for it right but still making it making it unique, and he does that through his music, and I think uh, I think the world is is gonna love it at some point, man. Like he's he's already doing insanely dope things musically, creatively for his community, and uh, you know I, I just feel like the whole world needs to needs to be on that wave. Yeah, he's tight. I, I really like him. I gotta get a little deeper into him myself, but he's yeah, cool. Yeah, man, you cool. gotta peep his uh, his recent single, regardless, man, is a fucking smash. For sure. Okay, my question is, being a fan of your cooking show, what is your number one favorite thing to cook? My favorite thing to cook, man, I think it's jerk chicken. Um, it's probably one of my favorite dishes. As, as a West Indian dude, I, I ate a lot of it growing up. And, and you know, you, I ate it prepared a lot of different ways because I'm Guyanese, but that's a Jamaican dish. So, you know, my folks prepare it a little differently. And then I have it the authentic Jamaican way and... You know, you see certain types of fusion that you can do. And so I would say jerk chicken and plus, like, 
you cook in your chicken and you listen to the reggae music in the kitchen and, and it's just a whole vibe like that entire experience is is like holy that's what's up cool uh so the next one i got for you is um so I know you you uh, are are always trying to think about what are the be- the best ways to use your energy to to be a active positive participant of society. Um, what is like a specific issue or 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 area or movement, be it um, funding the USPS, be it just the broader defund police movement or whatever it may be that you are kind of putting some of your energy into recently? Recently, let me see, man, like. I feel like for me recently, it's been, hmm, let me go back on my Twitter and see what I've been angry about. (laughs) I feel like that's kind of how I do it. You know what I mean? I'm just like, well, what am I mad at today? Um, (laughs) Man, I would say, I would really say like everything for me is, is like dismantling capitalism. I think that, is like the root of so many issues mm. and, and all these other issues, racism, police, uh, uh, misogyny, right? Like they all have evil capitalist sides and, and, and they're so, so visible to me. Um, but I think capitalism is, is really what prevents us from making progress anywhere else. Right? Like look at what's going on now. I feel like, like we're only this disruptive because a lot of motherfuckers ain't got jobs and everybody home. Right. Like once, mm-hmm. once we got more time to think for ourselves, we, we started figuring things out a little bit more, but the capitalism doesn't let you do that because you know, you overworked all the time and, and you, you tricked into thinking the system is going to work for you, but it's not, you know, like with, if you take down capitalism, you have USPS. If you take down capitalism, you have better funding of police. Mm. You take down capitalism, I mean, you still got racism, but it's it's reduced, I think, you know, because capitalism fuels the fire on, on everything. I hear that. So, well, I well mean, said, for sure. Um, yeah. Fuck Andrew, capitalism. Andrew, take us, take us out that, to that last question. Fuck capitalism. Fuck capitalism. <laughs> and, uh, uh, speaking of Bobby Bonilla, um, what is your favorite Mets moment in history? Favorite Mets moment in history, man. There's too many to name. And that's actually really sad because the Mets don't have a lot of great moments in history. But, you know, I just love this team so much. Um, man, it's a tie for me. Uh, for me, it's a tie between no hands and no hitter because I was fucking there. Like, I saw that shit with my own two eyes. I got my ticket stub and everything, man. Like, and, and I incredible. was the first one in history. Um, but I think for real, like, like the real moment for me, 2006, man, like that shit felt like magic, like legitimate magic. Like I remember there was this game in 2006, uh, Mets Cardinals, um, in August, not, not, not the other one. Um, and, uh, it was a, uh, it was an offensive slaughter, right? The Mets were actually down at some point, I think like five, six, nothing or something. And the Mets came back. This game featured Carlos Delgado's 400th home run, which was a grand slam to help bring the Mets closer. And I think even tie the game at some point. 
the Mets and Cardinals traded runs back and forth. This was a fucking nail-biter at the end of it. And the Mets were down a run coming into the ninth. And and fucking Carlos Beltran comes to the plate against Jason Isringhausen with a runner on. And Gary Cohen says, literally, one swing can win it for New York. He literally said that. And the pitch came in. And Beltran ripped it to deep right. And that ball was out of here. Out of here. And the Mets won the ball game. And that, to me, I came home. I saw that on TV, and, and, and it, it just it felt like it was supposed to happen. Mm. Like, it, I wasn't even surprised. Like, I was like, like how, how did I not feel like 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 this was true? Like, it just felt like normal. And, and that's what magic felt like to me at the time. And, and that's why that moment is probably one of the most etched moments I have in my head of, of Mets history. Man, I'm lifelong Red Sox fan. Who's got goosebumps? I got, I got goosebumps, man. Like, that's real. That's the power of sports right there. Evan, what's your exactly. favorite? Evan, what's your favorite Mets moment? <laughs> My favorite Mets moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna just let Brandon's breathe. I don't, I don't think I wanna, I'm not gonna step on that. <laughs> I will say though, the Red Sox are my AL team, man. Shout out, shout yeah. out. And I when think I was the a Mets, kid, I, I, Mets Red Sox I had, overlaps is a. Uh, oh common. yeah, I hated the Yankees. I fucking hate the Yankees yeah. because I hate capitalism and I hate the bourgeoisie. <laughs> like. Like, the Yankees represent all of that. And as a kid growing up, I was like, like, fuck all that. And so I I, I had Red Sox jerseys growing up. I had I had the Johnny Damon jersey, man. Johnny Damon, one of my favorite players, because I loved, you know, his, like, caveman yeah, attitude. Yeah, yeah. Man, you preaching to the choir right now. Yeah, uh, fuck that. I, I had a David Ortiz jersey. Bro, I had a Coco Crisp t-shirt. Ooh. That's a deep. That's a deep cut. That's a deep cut. That's a deep sure. cut, but that's a uh, sort like, of family favorite, man. Yeah, like I know. I know my Red Sox history. That, that from that day, from like the mid two thousands, man. I would say. I would say that Coco Crisp's name comes up. Basically, at least once every time my family gets together, Coco Crisp's name is going to come up once, without a doubt. <laughs> For sure. I still remember that trade. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Word. Well, uh, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna not take a ton of more time, but I do want to dive back into that first topic, just to like touch yeah, yeah. on touch on what you started the conversation you started around baseball, and like you gave you gave due props to the Red Sox and their statement and. Um, they're, they're like just honesty about it. Um, but I want to kind of point in the other direction, you know, uh, whereas the, the NBA is going all in, they've got, they've got the whole season in many ways dedicated to the movement. They've got the, uh, nicknames on the backs of the jerseys. The players are many of them not holding real press conferences, but just demanding justice for Breonna Taylor. You got the WNBA dedicated their entire season to justice for Breonna Taylor. On the other hand, uh, the first Red Sox game I watched this season, they did the obviously scripted and the Red Sox at Fenway Park. You can see a 40-foot banner of Black Lives Matter. And then it was met with complete and total silence from the commentators. First time and only time in the game where they had nothing to say. And it just felt like very representative of how the MLB is never going to, you know, come out here waving Confederate flags as a league. But they also it's it's they know their audience and they know that a lot of their audience is is not about that. And so I think they've been really soft, honestly, and I've been a little disappointed to be a baseball fan in a lot of ways. I mean, you you said it, Brandon, right? I mean, the the Red Sox were coming from a 
coming from like a deficiency, right? They were coming from like a negative, mm-hmm. like they had a lot of work to do. I mean, like Boston, however progressive it is as like intellectually as a city and like all the colleges has a, like a pretty race, like it would be a Southern city by most other aspects in terms of the way that, yeah. that the, the fan base is actually acting. So it means a lot for the Red Sox, but Evan's right. Like it, it's, it's baseball's old guard. I think to me is predominantly surrounded around old white guys that are like old Southern white guys that are wise. And that's who like commentates and thinks about baseball the most. And like, that's just a weird power, power struggle paradigm that has existed forever. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you, you, you look at NBA, MLB, NFL, right? Like I think the, 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 the stark contrast here is, is the MLB probably has the hardest time getting young people into the game. Mm. And, uh, and so I think, and that, that's pretty visible, right? I think anybody can kind of say that or at least guess that the MLB probably has the, the lowest percentage of, of Gen Z or whatever it is. Uh, and if you look at the, the criticisms against baseball, baseball's boring, baseball's long, um, baseball don't got action, right? Like, that's all, that's all young feedback. And, 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 you know, you think about how, like, humans and, and, and like, our, our own anthropology, right? Like, generations, right? Millennials, Gen Z, we're, we're all... Cr- you know, we're, we're classified as people who want instant gratification, right? Mm-hmm. And so naturally, young folks have not been able to get into baseball. Thus, baseball has been continually dominated by old fans. And and so, you know, I think until MLB is willing to, to make cultural shifts to attract younger audiences, like for real, for real, this is going to continue to be a problem because – for the you know the money is is where is where all these leagues are going. The NBA knows that young folks are are the backbone of that of that league, right? Like the young folks are the ones watching all the games and buying all the video games, right? They're buying 2K and buying the jerseys and, and NBA jerseys are fashion now, and so it's it's all the young folks and you know like like the NFL still kind of I mean NFL is the NFL, right? And so you know they've they've got a, a lot of similar problems that MLB has, right. right? And you can see the same kind of way. Right. And so, I mean, it's again, like it's capitalism. If, if the NBA had the same problem of culture, then, then they'd be doing the same thing. It's yeah, just the I NBA. Think I think it's sorry to cut while, you off, but uh, I, I think it's youth sports in a big way, too. Um, I think it's youth, the youth leagues. I think it's the availability. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's amazing, too. Like the um, the M- the MLB kind of like had this initiative at like the turn of the century where they were trying to push towards like inner city baseball for, 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 for kids to play, like providing them with the gear and, and making a place for them to play making it affordable. and make it affordable. And like that program I think ended, but it created like the players that came out of that were the Upton brothers and Chris Young and players that had like kind of good ba- I mean, Justin Upton has a, had an amazing baseball career. Um, oh I mean, yeah. I mean, comparatively to a lot mm-hmm. of it, like, you know, outfielders, uh, and I think like that program kind of worked. It's just like, they just need to do it on such a massive scale. I also think like baseball from a capitalism standpoint uh, is you can make a lot of money playing baseball and you can do it for a lot longer than most other sports. And I think like, Oh that, yeah. That just has not been like brought to the attention of a lot of people. Yeah. 
it's, but it's, it's like, also harder to even get to playing to making that money in baseball. That's big facts, that's right? Funny. Like NFL, you sign that contract, you get that bonus, and, and even if you never play a game in your life, you still got like a million dollars to do something with. And, and to kids in the hood, a million is more than they ever thought they'd ever make. And so that's why they're doing that. And then you also got to think of, of how, how these sports get facilitated, right? There's no broke way to play baseball, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like there, there, there's a broke way to play basketball. You can get a random ball and go to a random court and you just need two people or one person just, you know, screw around Absolutely. and you, you play basketball, right? You can do that with football, right? You can play touch football, right? You, it's hard to do that with baseball and stuff, but in inner city communities where kids are bored and need something to do, Baseball just isn't a conducive sport. Like right. you need to be in open spaces where there's a, a rich history of it. I mean, it's, it's America's pastime. It needs to explicitly be passed on to somebody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and these other sports are a little bit more fluid. And and I think that's I mean that's part of why you have a lot more black people in the NFL and in the NHL, right? Like or not the NHL, NBA. Um, you know, and and and. and you get a lot of Dominican and, and, and Hispanic representation in, in baseball because, you know, you go to the Dominican Republic and, and you There's have that open on every space. Corner. Have, <laughs> and so, yeah, and so, like, yeah. baseball fluidly happens. It's all about where these sports can fluidly happen. And mm-hmm. in an inner-city community, you can't do that with baseball. Right, And, and, that, and you could say right. that, like, that that about that, like, the inner-city communities is, like, space, like, there's just more people on planet Earth than there was 60 years ago. Uh, yeah. and, and the cities are more crowded and the cities are like more expensive places to live in every square inch of space. Think about New York. You always see these pictures of kids in like the forties and fifties playing baseball Middle on the street. street. <laughs> and now like, you know, there's like an, a Starbucks and an H and M on every corner. Can you and they imagine some kids step out the street <laughs> with a stick and a baseball today and like in Queens, like <laughs> ain't no way. Yeah. They run over. I couldn't play baseball anywhere. I, I had dreams of playing for the Mets, but yeah. I, I didn't have a baseball field near me. So whenever I wanted to go and play some baseball, I, I, I had to play in my own backyard. And, you know, I'm, I'm not somebody – I can't practice pitching in a, mm-hmm. a tiny little yard. Yeah. I can't hit dingers in my backyard. Well, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought up the DR, though, because this has me think – you know, the DR is obviously not a wealthy country. Many, Most of the guys who come from the DR and end up in the league, these are people who grew up in poverty – um, and so at the end of the day, it, it is a capitalism thing, but it's also like, like you brought up, the league needs to push the sport, um, for like that. It doesn't need to be an economic barrier. Like we need to invest in leagues in our country. At the end of the day, the DR kids grow up and, you know, we talked about on a previous episode, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but we had talked about on a previous episode last season about the, the theory, um, that, the war on drugs and mass incarceration block locking up black fathers was a big reason that baseball died out in the black community. Cause there just weren't, it's yeah. such a parental game. That bond is for so many people built in throw and playing catch with your father. So I think there's other mm-hmm. elements that are not just poverty that like baseball at an MLB level needs to get right. We need to get right from a youth sports perspective. And at the end of the day, what I do know with 100% certainty is anyone of any background can love the game of baseball. Like it's a beautiful game. It's fun. And it just needs to be introduced to people in in their communities in available ways and at young ages and the sport can thrive. And from that, 
like you said, I think will kind of work backwards. It will come if if young people are playing the sport and loving the sport. In a capitalist world, the sport will will respond to that and evolve to to be more progressive and and say and do the right things. Yeah, I think uh, I mean that's that's an incredibly nuanced take, and 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 it makes so much sense, right? And yeah, baseball is America's pastime. Baseball represents America, right? If 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 this is what's happening, that's what's happening in America, then that's basically what's happening in baseball. Well. That's a incredibly well said, Brandon, and I. Uh, a great way to take us out. Of yeah, a great way. A great way to to take us home, uh, pun intended. Uh, so, uh, your anti-Yankee stance has earned you a place to always be welcome on our podcast. Um, and uh, where can people find you? Where can they see your opinions, your thoughts, your cooking show? <laughs> the cooking uh, show. If you wanna, you wanna find it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, and on Instagram. My Twitter name is Officiality, that's official with an I-T-Y, uh, and my Instagram is the Officiality. so T-H-E, and then official with an I-T-Y. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I guess if I Final am allowed to say one more thing. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go What's ahead. up? Yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I just, I just, I just want to say that I really do hope that we can see more change in, in, in baseball, because I think... Baseball is the most human sport of, of all time. I think nothing represents the human spirit more than baseball, where, you know, it doesn't matter how how genetically gifted you are, right? Like, you have incredibly well-trained, like, well-athletic players that, that look the part, but then you got guys like Bartolo Colon, you got guys like Dustin Pedroia, you know, like there's no prototype to how to succeed in baseball, and 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 so many crazy things happen in this sport every damn day, right? Like Philip Humber can pitch a no hitter or a perfect game, and and you know that's something that even the greatest pitchers have never done. Like, what is more human than the game of baseball? Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. Everybody gets their fair shot. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I appreciate. I appreciate having this conversation with y'all. Man. No doubt. All right. Well, we'll be talking to you soon. And uh, and you're ever in the uh, in Detroit, you, you got a place to stay and you got a podcast to speak on. Most definitely. Hopefully, uh, I can do that. I don't want no parts of airports right now because <laughs> motherfuckers gotta stay inside with their masks and keep keep all stop spreading this COVID shit. Yo, y'all all gotta stop outdoor dining and shit, man. Amen. Amen. All right, man. Go Mets. Go Mets. Take care. Hey, yo, yeah, y'all the only baby. ones who got a playoff chance this year anyway, so might as well root for y'all. <laughs> no, yo, we, we're trash right now, man. Shit. Yeah, 28 teams make it to the playoffs this year in, in, in baseball, and, and the only two that don't are the Red Sox and the Mets. So. <laughs> All right, man. man. Take care of yourself. Be safe. Thank you, man. Yo, Wash them hands. Be safe, yo. Have a good one. Later. Yes. Bye. That was Brandon Singh. At the officiality, live on Small Brains Big Picks. Big thank you to Brandon for coming on the podcast. If you like what you've seen, please like and subscribe. And uh, thank you so much for watching. I'm Andrew. I'm Evan. Au revoir. See ya.